Hello, and welcome. Some of you might find what you are about to hear unpleasant or disturbing. And some of you might find exactly what you've been looking for. This is a horror anthology podcast with stories comprised of fears derived from the deepest depths of your subconscious. This is Unwanted Things. Hello everyone, and welcome back. I am your host, Cameron Baker. It's been some time since our last upload, and I hope you are as happy to be hearing this episode as I am to be making it. The last time you heard us, we interviewed writer and friend of the show, Mike Thorne. Shortly after, my personal life became very, we'll say, busy. Between my 9 to 5, becoming a father for the second time, and the start of another podcast, this show sadly fell to the back burner, and I very much regret allowing that to happen. But this time, we're back for the long haul. What you are about to hear is a story written by our friend, Mike Thorne. It is entitled... Exhumation. Hysterical laughter erupted from the table to Abel's right. He turned to face three men and two women, rocking in plastic chairs, thumping their tabletop, their red and tear-wet faces bunched up in manic hilarity. He made eye contact with one of them, a frizzy-haired woman in a black blouse, washed to gray. He forced a smile before returning to his finger sandwich and plastic cup of ginger ale. There was something desperate about funeral laughter, Abel wanted nothing to do with it, wanted nothing to do with any of this, really. And yet, he'd driven nearly 200 miles to be here. Why, exactly? A sense of obligation? Guilt, more likely. He'd found the service's blandness borderline offensive. His cousin Hubert who'd subtracted himself far too young from life, suicide by pills, had been dignified only by the gaunt-faced reverend's bored, toneless resuscitations. When the reverend had invited attendees to step up to the podium and share their personal Hubert-related reminiscences, nobody took the lead. There was an agonizing period of silence, broken only by funeral coughs and sniffles. And for a moment, Abel had considered going up out of plain obligation. Ultimately, he decided against it. He'd never known Hubert well enough to justify a story of any interest. (laughs) 
Why are you here? A hoarse voice asked. Abel jumped in his seat. The cup of ginger ale jolted and fizzed. A hand clutched his shoulder and squeezed. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. Abel twisted around, tilting his head at an awkward angle, and faced one of the laughing men. The guy's weather-wrecked mug was creased into something between a grimace and a smirk. You probably don't remember me. Uh, it's Norm. Sorry, I... Before Abel could finish, Norm pointed to the vacant chair beside him. You mind? Abel did, but he said no. Norm plopped down and turned back to face his table mates, revealing the stiff ponytail that jutted from the back of his bald head. Gonna sit with Abel here for a bit, he told them. One of the women flapped a hand. Go ahead, she said between laugh snorts. Norm swiveled back around, his lips retreated from smoke-painted teeth. Abel popped the remainder of his sandwich into his mouth and wiped his hands. Sounds like you're all having a good time over there. Better time than you and me once had with our little cousin Hubert. God rest his soul. The remark struck Abel as insensitive at best and horribly offensive at worst. Trouble was, he didn't know what Norm was referring to. We? We? Do I know you? Norm's smile was static. Yep. Sorry, Norm, Abel said. It's a long drive from Vancouver to Calgary, and I... Norm hacked a deep, gooey cough without covering his mouth. Abel scraped his chair back just the slightest. As I was saying, it's a long drive, and I'm feeling pretty tired. Honestly, I don't even know if I'll be staying for the burial. I have to go back to work tomorrow, and I'm... Drove up, did you? Figured you for a flying man. Abel's head was floating from hunger and exhaustion. I'm sorry, but I honestly don't think I remember you. It's been decades since I've made it down to see anyone from the family. Are we related? Related. Norm said it like a filthy euphemism. Manner of spinking. Sure. Crazy as they come, Abel thought. He blinked at the fluorescent lights the harsh and faintly humming kind reserved especially for old church basements. He tuned out the murmuring, the quiet weeping and grief chuckles, blocking it all out so he could speak with a degree of necessary certainty. Excuse me. I have to go. As soon as he got up, Norm clutched his forearm with strong, smoke-cooked fingers. You could do that. Sure. And let me tell Hubert's mama and daddy 
what we did to their son in that field back in 1987. 1987. The year brought very little back to Abel's memory, probably because he'd spent so much of it in a fog, booze mostly. But there had been some drug use. All right, a lot of drug use. Near the end, before he'd sobered up for good. Now, over 30 years later, he had no interest in reliving any part of that blackout period with this creep. It had been a phase. That was it. A phase. Don't engage. Take a step back. He closed his eyes and waved a hand in front of his face, like he was warding off a curtain of fog. Hold up. Norm, did you say? How do you know my cousin? Norm wiped breadcrumbs from the table and hawked something into the back of his throat. Did you make it to the viewing room by any chance? He swallowed audibly. It was weird seeing Hubert with his eyes sewn shut. Because the main thing I remember from that night is his peeper staring up at me like a rabbit in a trap, you kept saying. Abel met Norm's watery gaze, and something clicked for a moment, like a flash of a powerful deja vu. In that instant, his brain insisted that he and Norm had once stared at each other in this exact manner, and that Norm's lips had been collecting dried saliva in the corners just as they are now. In the past iteration of this moment, Abel's stomach was swollen with gas and acid and fear, the same as it was now. The last time I saw Hubert, I was 20 years old, Norm said. I know, because I was 25. Looks like time has been kinder to me than it's been to you. Abel wasn't delusional. He was all too aware of the puffed and creased skin lining his face, and of his hair's fading color and volume. But he also knew he'd been sober for 30 years. He'd even managed to significantly cut down his smoking habit. There was no way he looked anywhere close to this creep's age. Norm's predatory grin appeared as if it was held together by outlandish happenstance, gums receding to reveal urine-yellow tooth roots. Abel could spot an active addict within seconds, and this man fit the profile as surely as cigarettes tasted great with coffee. This conversation had quickly swerved down a side road Abel had no desire to explore any further. He set his hands on the table, palms down, and spoke with what he believed was a tone of gentle authority. Whatever you're talking about, I don't remember it at all. The last time I saw Hubert, I was 13 years old. My parents had wine and hors d'oeuvres with his folks, my Aunt Shannon and Uncle Bill. Hubert and I listened to cassettes in his bedroom and flipped through comic books from a box he kept beside his bed. Norm leaned in, close enough that Abel could smell the sour and deadly desperation gusting from his mouth. Sounds like a real pleasant afternoon, cuz. Cuz? Did you say cuz? Abel asked, his heart rate accelerated with a swell of quiet triumph. As in cousin? 
Look, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but Hubert is my only cousin on my dad's side. Dad and Shannon were the only kids in their family, and Shannon never had any other kids. Norm plunged a finger into his mouth and plucked something out of his teeth with a gray fingernail. Oh, is that so? His voice whispered not-so-subtle condescension. Okay, you know what? Abel said. Fuck politeness. This is a funeral. Have some decency. I don't care what you're on. I'm guessing a bit of this and a bit of that. Meth and, I don't know, whiskey? Wanted a little pick-me-up before seeing a burial. His hands started shaking on the tabletop, and he returned them to his lap. Enough's enough. I'm getting in my car, and I'm heading back to Vancouver. Fuck your threats. Tisk tisk. Norm clicked. Dirty words. Tell you what, you can come outside for a smoke and we can talk this whole thing over. Once it's settled, you can get in your Cadillac or Lexus or whatever yuppie spaceship you're piloting and head back to the land of the free. Or you can leave without the smoke and I'll just take the liberty of sharing our story with Hubert's mommy and daddy. Abel looked around to make sure nobody was within earshot. The only people near enough to hear anything were the morbid hyenas to the right, and they were making such a racket that he doubted they could hear their own thoughts. Okay, hell with it. Abel pushed himself to a standing position. You got cigarettes? I'm fresh out. He was lying. He still had five Benson and Hedges sitting in the glove compartment, but... He was saving those for strategically timed breaks during the drive home. That's the spirit. Norm stood up as well. Sure, I've got some darts on me. Let's have a little powwow outside then. What do you say? Abel cupped his hands around Norm's bick, shielding his cigarette against the snowy prairie wind. He inhaled cheap smoke and looked up toward the sunless sky. Norm lit up, dragged, and leaned against the brick wall, breathing clouds from his nostrils. So you're probably wondering what good it does to dredge up this business from the past. Am I right? Abel shivered inside his sport coat and offered a hesitant nod. He wasn't keen on the idea of giving this kook any committal responses. And yet, he couldn't deny the potency of that brief, memory flash he'd felt in the church basement. Not just the potency, his mind nagged. The weight. And yes, admit it. The reality. Right. Well, see, here's the thing, Norm said. These people had their way with little Hubert while he was alive. I know you did your successful smarty-pants thing, prancing off to the land of the free to be a big business boy. So you didn't see what the kid went through. But there's good reason for the fact he died so long before his expiration date was due. Abel still couldn't make any sense of this. But he figured he would let Norm say his piece. React with as much politeness and acknowledgement as necessary. Then hop in his car and speed away from this blizzard-stricken place without ever looking back. Norm pulled nearly a quarter of his cigarette into his lungs and swallowed greedily. Desperately. Yeah, okay, so I guess maybe people isn't the right word. But the... things we brought out of that hole in the field that day. 
They had certain terms they expected us to answer for, see? Once their Hubert puppet said sayonara, they started wanting for someone else. To pay the price. You get what I mean? Abel sucked smoke and held it in his lungs. After what felt like a minute of silence, he breathed it out in a long, hot tide. No, Norm, I really don't know what you mean. Norm fixed him with a watery, red-flecked gaze and said, Well, you're about to find out. Somebody gripped Abel's upper arms. Hard. His hand sprang open and his sig cartwheeled into the snow, trailing orange sparks. He turned his head to discover that he was being held by two of the laughing men from Norm's table. One wore weather inappropriate black sunglasses, an undersized leather jacket, and a lack of expression. The other twisted his face into a twitching grimace, his right eye blinking manically. Abel leaned in toward Norm, but the men pulled him back with alarming force. Are you seriously doing this right now? At my cousin's funeral? Our cousin's funeral, Norm corrected. Yeah, I guess I am doing this about right now. Move them, boys. The men pulled Abel toward a nearby door. He planted his heels deep in the snow and tried to hold his ground, but they were too strong. Abel screamed for help, but none of the trio seemed in the slightest bit concerned. As he skidded across the ground, his heels sprang snow. Abel cried out until his smoked lungs burned in protest. Norm cracked open the door to the church. As the men dragged Abel inside, he was feverishly relieved to see a crowd of funeral goers gathered in the lobby. Help! I'm being assaulted, he yelled. Norm snuffled a joyless laugh at this remark jabbing a thumb back at Abel. The man wants to say something about assault, he said. A suited, white-haired man departed from his quietly conversing group and approached Abel. The flesh around his massive mustache reddened. Assault. He seethed through clenched dentures. He moved closer, towering over Abel with spit foaming along his lips. He reached behind both distended earlobes and yanked. Producing a hideous tearing sound that rang across the quiet lobby. No one from his group seemed to notice or care. Like a mask, his face went loose before flopping with a splat onto his lapels. His lidless eyeballs stared through the red muck of his fleshless face and his dentures still packed tightly into a grimace. Assault! He said again, Jesus Christ! Abel was struck by reactivated dread. You drugged me. You fucking drugged me. No, not yet. Norm said dully. He signaled to his flunkies, who tugged Abel deeper into the church lobby, toward the viewing room. Abel's squeaking shoe heels dragged black streaks along the floor. He screamed continuously but none of the other funeral growers stepped away from their crowds to object. Mr. Skinless marched beside him in a horrible goose step. 
lipless mouth snapping open and shut like a set of yakety-yak toy teeth. Norm opened the door to the viewing room, and Abel glimpsed his cousin's body in the coffin. Nope, there been no drugs yet, Norm said. But hell, for old times' sake. Abel released another desperate call for aid. Norm's goons released his arms and dropped him onto the hardwood, then shut and bolted the door. Norm and Mr. Skinless stood at opposite ends of the coffin, grabbing Hubert's dead body by the forearms and ankles. Got the cleaver, Hank? Norm asked with a grimace. The guy in sunglasses answered to Hank. He jabbed a finger at his twitchy friend. Joey has us covered. Joey stepped forward, his body spasming with freakish excitement. Oh yeah, I got that cleaver. Gonna slice through the case. Gonna get through the packaging so we can find us some pipes. Abel made a move to rush for the door, but Hank stepped into his path and crossed his sizable arms. Don't try it, Mr. Skinless said. Blood ran down the naked muscle of his cheek, trailed red across his false teeth, not until balance has been restored. Assault, he says. Might as well complain about assaulting the soil that grows your onions. You think it's possible to assault a fucking onion? He lunged for Abel and snatched handfuls of his shirt. He brought his grotesque visage within inches of Abel's. Assault a fucking onion? Smoke the bones, <laughs> Joey said with a giggle. Yeah, we'll smoke them. We'll smoke them good. Might as well press charges against a fucking lamppost, Mr. Skinless exploded, his eyeballs bulging. Abel pulled himself free from the man's hands and backed away toward the wall. His sealed lips quivered as Norm took Joey's cleaver. It appeared to be at least a foot long and just as wide, and brought it high over his head. Just like Abraham, appeasing some evil request from God. As soon as Norm brought the cleaver thudding into the meat where shoulder met arm, James and Skinless hollered in mutual ecstasy. They tapped their loafers on the floor and danced a stiff jig, staring into each other's eyes with childlike awe. Hank kept his station at the door, face unmoving. Norm brought the cleaver down again, and again, and again. Now punctuating each blow with interchanged exclamations of Jesus and Hallelujah. As Abel watched this maniac carve his cousin's cadaver like a gigantic Thanksgiving turkey, his brain resurrected clearer, more intense images from that long, repressed night. He saw Norm as a much younger man, eyes scorching behind a flapping blonde banner of hair, extending a cleaver to young Hubert. The sparse white patches of Hubert's acne-stricken face had gone red, and he'd shaken his head. No, this is wrong. Hubert said, and that was when Abel had pushed him toward the blade. And then, Abel saw his deepest repressed memory, the inert body of their neighbor, young Gord Templeton, sprawled across the grass like a picnic blanket. Gord's chest was split open to reveal splayed ribs, 
casting shadow across a gleaming red heart. And even Abel's drug-compromised memory knew that Norm was the one who'd stopped its beating. Abel looked skyward as Hubert sank, weeping, to his knees beside Gord. Abel watched a distant plane cut cloud as Hubert used the cleaver to split bone from bone. Nor mumbled some arcane and dope-addled rap. Whatever words he spoke possessed a power that Abel had never, and would never, understand. All he knew was that the recitations had brought up a thing with eyes, where nothing and no one should have eyes. Hungry, the thing had been lurking behind Abel's shoulder when he joined the others to quite literally tear Gord limb from limb. He'd only braved the briefest of glances, but he knew with every certainty that it had been there. No combination of drugs could summon its true face. No life form on this pathetic terrestrial plane would ever sniff at its potential. Abel came back to the present moment and saw his cousin's body. Abel came back to the present moment and saw his cousin's bloody, sticky femur swaying in front of his face. There were chunks of flesh clinging to the remnants of muscle on top, scraps swinging from the bottom. Got your pipe ready? Norm said. One more time. For old time's sake, what do you say, cuz? Mr. Skinless stepped up, brandishing a long, drill-tipped instrument that whined with terrible electric power. He drove the tool into the end of Hubert's femur, spraying powdered bone and fat clots of yellow-red marrow. Smoke the bone, he chanted. Smoke the bone, he chanted. Smoke the bone. Norm, Joey, and Hank joined the chant, pumping their fists like frat brothers cheering some hellish hazing ritual. Norm broke away from the pack to retrieve something from inside the coffin. He advanced back toward the group. His palm mounted with an apple-sized gray clump. The fetid smell hit Abel. The ripe stench of traumatic memory. He killed over and puked his sad funeral lunch all over Skinless's loafers. Before he had time to raise himself back up, the viewing room door exploded open behind him. The crowd chanted behind him, Smoke the bone! Smoke the bone! Standing to the side, Joey rubbed his palms together with a vigor suggesting sexual arousal. Oh yeah, baby boy, smoke that shit. Got a puff on that femur, sonny. Abel's guts boiled. His brain flooded with terror, past and present. A cacophony of voices and sensations, all fighting for center stage. He clapped his hands to his ears. All of you? He screamed. My whole fucking family? His eyes swarmed with hot tears. His entire body submitted to violent tremors. Something slid soft as silk along the blades of his ears. And he realized that the being, the fucking infernal thing that Norm had once summoned in an abandoned suburban field, was standing beside him to orchestrate the scene. The mouthless man. 
They called him Tricky. He remembered with awful and palpable certainty. Tricky. Hank stepped up to plug Abel's nostrils and two others, cousins, uncles, aunts, swooped in to pin his arms against his back. Then Abel's lips closed around the hollow drilled into Hubert's femur. Norm packed the bone. Joey leaned in with a lighter, wheezing a nasal laugh. Abel's mouth filled with a smoke of oily, cloying sweetness. His eyes swarm. Tricky was right there behind him. Abel could sense its many eyes crawling down the length of Hubert's bone. His head swelled. His vision fuzzed around the edges. He could do nothing but inhale. His lungs warmed with a weird smoke, which Abel knew somehow to be the remnants of Tricky's brethren. Because Tricky's kind did not reproduce so much as it reconstituted, temporarily becoming one with the earth, only to be drudged up again by ugly happenstance or by occult recitations of bored and reckless teens. Tricky could no more easily be avoided than the soil under one's shoes. But most knew better than to bring it up voluntarily. Most people knew it was better to wait it out until death. Not Norm, though. Not Norm or Skinless or their crazed, disassociated cronies. I'm sorry, Hubert, Abel said. Abel awoke on a church pew, his body coiled tightly in a fetal position. The word Ouroboros sprang unannounced to his mind, uttered by a voice he'd never heard, but knew just the same. He stood up, coughed gray matter into the nod of his fist, and headed toward the exit. Something walked beside him, its eyes fixed on the tender part of his neck below the jawline. It's okay, Tricky. His voice echoed in the empty space. I'll pick up where Hubert left off. He crunched across the snow and got into his car. As he sparked up a cigarette, he focused on the immediate future. There were more sacrifices to be made. Oh, yes. Many, many more. And the younger, the better. Abel was fueled now with an intelligence that was much grander than himself. And it whispered a very simple order that he should have no problem obeying. Make your way to the nearest hardware store and buy something sharp. It's time to continue the cycle. Time to kill. I hope you enjoyed Exhumation by Mike Thorne. It can be found in two of Mike Thorne's publications. Dreams of Lake Druka 
and exhumation. As well as Peel Back and See. Both are available on Amazon and Kindle. If you enjoyed this story and want to hear more, please find them and give Mike Thorne your support. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please rate and review. It helps us find new listeners. And as I said earlier on the show, I do have another podcast that you can listen to if you would like. It is called Anarium. That is A-N-E-R-E-U-M. Anarium. It is a live play Monster of the Week podcast for fans of Hellboy and Supernatural. It's available on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening. See you soon.